Welcome to Neurodivergent Moments. I'm Abba Galaya. I have ADHD. I am the autistic comedian, Joe Wells. Two weeks in a row we've remembered to do that. Yeah. I'm proud so of us. people know who we are. Yeah. We got some new listeners from the Pierre clip that went viral. So yeah. there might be some new people. Hey, and guys, welcome. And thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. We've, uh, the, the podcast listeners, I think, are the favorite of the people who follow my stuff. They are the favorite. Oh, uh, yes. They come to stuff more. We have better conversations. They're the best. <laughs> if, you, if you're following me on Twitter or TikTok, you're you're not a real fan. Yeah, you're you're just a passive. You're a passive. Yeah. Oh, they've come up on my feed. These are our true fans because they have to go into an app and press play and listen to us for hours and hours. Hours, <laughs> but then still not sick of us. Hours and still asking for more content. Yeah. God yeah. bless. When I went to go see you record your special. Joe, uh, there was one of our listeners in that audience, and they were like, oh, I wish you did more. I wish you went weekly. And it's like, yeah, well, Joe and I, you know, we do the whole thing ourselves. We're and it's, really tired. Yeah, we're really <laughs> tired, and, and, and we both travel a lot, so, like, we can't we can't maintain it. With You know, hopefully one day we'll be able to afford a full-time producer and all this. And they just go, you could just get, like, an intern and, like, exploit them. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't feel right. We could do, yeah. yeah. If, you get people, if you get, like, an 18 or you can pay them less pay them less but we can, also we can outsource to china i don't <laughs> trust anyone who doesn't charge what i think isn't a reasonable yeah, amount yeah. you're right which okay i i don't think this is a neurodivergent moment but i'll, I'll tell this um so i bought a piano a while ago mm. oh maybe this is a neurodivergent moment I'm going to wait. This will be my neurodivergent yeah. moment at the end. Uh, okay. Okay. You know what, though, guys? We had Stu Goldsmith on this yes. one. Yes. Yeah. Stu Goldsmith. Yeah. Uh, friend, Joe and I have known Stu both for years. So mm. when it gets to the end of the podcast and I'm screaming at him, know that that comes from a place <laughs> of love. If it gets to the end of the podcast and I'm not screaming at him, know that we decided to register that. Because <laughs> <laughs> it just seems a bit cruel. I should say, Stu does an amazing podcast called The Comedian's Comedian Podcast, yeah. which we talk about a bit and we talk about it. That's the thing with podcasts. You forget that the people listening don't know what we know. Yeah. So we do talk a bit as though everyone knows, but comedians, comedian, he interviews comedians. Yeah, he's done over 400 interviews. He's had. And he was the first to do it as well. Everyone's yeah. interviewing comedians. Well, Mark Maron. And then Stu. Yeah. He was yeah. the first one on this side of the pond. Mm. Uh, not that I've paid attention, but I was on it years and years ago, back before, back when I first moved here. And uh, maybe this is a neurodivergent moment. I moved here and asked Stu if I could be on his podcast. And uh, he never really responded. So I kept asking until he <laughs> finally had me on. Uh, should have said this in front of Stu himself. Don't think he actually wanted me on. Just think he wanted me to fucking go away. Because <laughs> I was not completely like, like now I do comedy full time, but I had just moved mm. here. So I was still like figuring out how to make it my, my job. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so if you want, you can listen to an episode of me talk about comedy before I really know anything about comedy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for now, here's Stu Goldsmith. Yeah, here we go. Yes, I thought the because I'm a recent, uh, <laughs> not a convert exactly, but um, uh, <laughs> recently diagnosed. So um, 
when I mentioned it on social media, there was a certain amount of icky welcome to the community stuff that I, you know, we have cookies that I thought, oh, that'd be an interesting thing to talk about because I'm very hesitant to participate in that. Um, and also the other element of it is because I'm sort of rippling at the moment and going, I mean, I've invented that term. It's like I'm going, oh, yeah, oh, it's that. Oh, it's that as well. It's that. Um, that it, uh, I'm one of the things I wonder if ADHD has factored into over the course of my life is the way I uh, am not very good at um, maintaining friendships in the way that I would like to. I thought that might be an interesting thing uh, if you hadn't already. Yeah, yeah, no. there's loads of interesting stuff there. Yeah. Can you talk more about the rippling? Yeah, I think yes. we've officially started. By I the was going to say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we do an intro later, just okay. him and I. So yeah, so now we're talking. And uh, that being said, welcome to the family, man. And, yeah, the worst. Uh, you <laughs> thank know, you. Thank and, you. Because what are you supposed to say when someone tells you they have ADHD? Yeah. Well done, you. Well done. <laughs> you know what? You, you've you've passed the first bar. You're now on Neurodivergent Moments podcast, a podcast yes. you can only be on if you are neurodivergent. Oh, my God. A podcast with guest standards. Imagine such a thing in 2023. I know. A bar to entry of any kind. Imagine. Well, what's great is, and we've mentioned it before, is when I message uh, uh, comedians going, you're neurodivergent, right? You want to do my podcast? And they're like, um, no, I'm not, actually. And I'm like, you should check on that. You should yes. check on that. Well, that's that's a whole thing, isn't it? Because like, w when, when one is um, uh, diagnosed, not one, me, I only know about my experience. When I was diagnosed, I went through a whole, you know, back when I was street performing, I discovered it. I was running around telling everyone, guys, you've got to become a street performer. We became a comedian. Hey, everyone, all my actor friends, you should do stand up. And now I'm running around going, oh, I think you have ADHD. I was chatting to a friend of mine who had a certain amount of a certain amount of um, I wonder it might have been in my head, but I wondered if she was slightly sceptical, like, why, why, why would you go for that? You know, in that way, that I'm proudly going, oh, yeah, I'm all buzzing and excited about my diagnosis mm -hmm. and my new insight into myself. Oh, another torch I can point at myself and oh, look how the light reflects me, me, me. Um, she said, what made you think that? And I said, well, you know, one of one of the big issues for me is memory. Like, have you? Uh, it's huge. It's a huge challenge for me, memory um, and remembering people, remembering faces. I realise now that I've opted out of lots of things over the years. I've opted out like I at school made some unconscious decision where I went, oh, I can't do dates. I won't bother trying to remember dates. They don't stick. They don't stick. I can probably remember 10 important dates, well, five important dates, like historically. Nothing. I guess at the Second World War. Do you know what I mean, like I know that the year of my son's birth and then um, I only no, it's not. I only know my wife and I were talking about this memory thing and she said well what year was our daughter born and I said well I can work it out do you know what I mean and that was yeah. I was sort of betrayed by that because I, I can't I can work it out and I had to really work it out and now I've remembered yeah, I've got a system now there's the year of my son's birth the fo the following year is the year of my marriage and then the the, the wedding and then the following year is the year of my daughter's birth. And yeah. that's set in stone. They're consecutive. So I've got that system. But without that system, I would be lost. And as you know, it makes you look like you don't give a fuck. Yeah. It makes you look like you don't care, like you're narcissistic. You're bound up in your own self. You don't pay attention. So that has dogged me my entire life, which is not it's not to say that I'm not also narcissistic. And <laughs> but um I said to my friend oh, ADHD and she said, well, what makes you think that? And I said, as part of a wider conversation about memory, I said, well, I once introduced myself to someone I've slept with. Yeah, <laughs> but, and I'm not because I'm a big player, but 
but just because <laughs> I met this woman out of context as a friend of someone else, and I went, "Oh, hi, I'm, I'm your Stu. wife. You should know." And she, no, 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 no. And before, before my wife, of course, it was a barren wasteland with just this one. <laughs> um, I put my hand out and I said, "Oh, hi, Stu." And uh, and she looked at me and she looked at my hand and she looked up into my eyes and she said, "You've got to be fucking kidding me, right?" So is this awful? Oh, I no. felt awful. Of course, I felt awful. Yeah. But I mentioned that to my friend who's also a performer and also is a sort of, you know, I think if it's five to eight percent of people in the general public have got ADHD, I think it's closer 50, 60 percent of performers because we've all opted into a particular Mm. lifestyle based on novelty and difference and change. She's a performer. And I said, well, I introduced myself to someone I'd slept with. And she went, well, we've all we've all done that. (laughs) I felt like going, you, you, madam, have ADHD. That's not a place to diagnose anyone. I will say also, I'm pretty sure it's an ADHD meme of being asked a question of like, uh, are you good at remembering dates? And if your answer is, I have a system for that. Yes. You yes. have ADHD. Well, yes, yes. And I, the thing is, I feel, I feel it's very recent. It's two, three months old, maybe for me. And I feel a bit vulnerable talking about it. And I feel like. Like, there are ways in which people refer to it, uh, people who've known for years and years, and this is sort of getting into the community thing, or my reticence to be part of or to be thought of as part of a community. A big thing for me is, have I really got it? Even post-diagnosis, have I really got it? Am I not? And I said to my doctor with this 90-minute Zoom meeting, I went through the right-to-choose system, about which I knew nothing, but I would just say to anyone considering a diagnosis, Google right-to-choose. I don't understand how it works, but I got seen in six months instead of five years. The local waiting time here is five years. Um, And at the end of this meeting, she said, have you got any questions for me? And I said, yes, just one, really. Could I have tricked you? Could I, like, I have I performed this have I performed my end of this diagnosis? Have I have I done and said things? Could I have done and said things on purpose in order to to get a diagnosis out of you and, and pull the wool over your eyes so that I can have an excuse, an official medical excuse for the fact that really I'm actually a scatty, narcissistic, self-involved, you know, inattentive wanker. <laughs> you know, I forget exactly what I said. Could I have tricked you? And I think her reply was really good. She said, yes, I want my money back. No, she said, um, (laughs) she said, I'm no diagnosis is 100 percent accurate. I'm an expert at this and I'm confident in my diagnosis of you. But isn't it interesting that you would frame your ADHD to yourself like that? And I kind of went woof, like a big unlock, like a. Oh, yes, I have written my... I, I'm, I'm, I should say, for listeners who uh, do not know me, which I imagine is many, many of them, I am a, a largely happy these days, pretty confident, pretty outgoing, moderately successful. You know, I've achieved a version of my dream. I'm a pretty... I'm in a pretty good place. Um, but I have a history of anxiety and some depression and, and well, I mean, mainly anxiety, possibly PTSD. A lot of things that I suppose would be complicated by ADHD. And the, the, the main problem I have is feeling untethered, just feeling disconnected from myself, learning lessons about myself and then literally just forgetting them. Doing big, deep therapy work and getting it and understanding myself and then forgetting it. Um, that was a huge woof for me, a huge moment of going... Oh, yes, I have written off parts of myself as, well, I'm, that's just me being a twat. I'm too much. I'm, I'm this. I annoy people. I wind people up. I blurt stuff out. I piss people off. And 
I'm a that's because I'm a wanker. Do you know what I mean? Like deep down, like mm. oh, like a like a for someone who has a lot of surface confidence, I have a remarkable deficit in and you know not remarkable if you've met a hundred comedians, you know, but I, <laughs> I feel I have a big deficit of genuine self, calm, happy self belief. I'm going to do this. It'll be fine. I don't feel that. I almost never feel that. And um, and weirdly, I know some people do, but it's an alien country to me a lot of the time. So that so her saying, isn't it interesting that that's how you see yourself? Yeah. And that's the way that your sense of self has developed around the fact that. Yeah, I mean, I can barely bring myself to say it. I've, 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 I still want to say allegedly. Do you know what I mean? The fact that my brain allegedly works in a way that is inconsistent with 95% of the pomula- population. Mm. That is like, I still, I can't let myself because it's so seductive. It's such a, I have let myself, but I can't, I keep coming. Whenever I think about it, I come back to that. Are you sure though? Are you sure? Because isn't it seductive to nourishing to go, imagine if I deep down, I had been special the whole time and I'm really reluctant to let myself off whatever hook I'm dangling myself on. I will say, like, I think the feelings that you're having are very common for someone who's newly diagnosed with, I can speak towards ADHD, but with ADHD. And, um, yeah, it's this interesting thing of, of now you have a reason, like, why certain things might have been tricky, why... uh uh, like memorizing dates or why your life might be the way it is today because of of this one thing that you didn't know for so long and we've piled excuses or reasoning why our lives are like this and now we have one core reason that we can plug into it and it's it it, it can kind of like tear apart everything you've known about yourself. You know what I mean? So if you're like, well, you know, I'm just one of those people who just, I'm always late to things. That's me as a person. I'm always late to things. And now you know why you're late to things. Mm. And with the knowing why, the next question is, can I now put in uh, uh, skills or knowledge Mm. to change that about myself? And I think that's one reason why uh, when we first get diagnosed, we get very like, is it or am I just, yes. am I just a fairy person? Well, I, I think it's also, it's because I I always remember, like I know a bit about, I know a little bit about stage magic. And I love one of those, there's a Darren Brown bit from many years ago where he writes a horoscope for someone and he just nails them. He says, look, I don't believe in horoscopy or whatever it's called you know he just writes uh you're like this you're like this you you don't make friends easily but when you do make friends they're a friend for life and blah blah blah. he said all of these things and this person said oh, they they were in tears they were like how did you how have you done this how do you know this about me and he said well i'm sorry but i wrote the same thing and i gave it to a hundred people and they all said that mm. do you know what I mean like that we're mm. desperate for meaning and we're desperate for for sort of a reflection of ourselves in something in order to understand ourselves so it's it's almost that that's the fear for me is like, oh, you could say this to anyone. You could say all this stuff to anyone and they go, oh, that's me. Or in the parlance of the slightly ickier end of the online ND communities, it me. You know, that kind of <laughs> <laughs> thing. I'm, too, I'm 45. I'm too old for that shit. But, um, you know, it's like anyone that uses the word nom. Christ. Um, but uh, there is. Yes. So it's, 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 that's what I mean. It's seductive. It's, it's, it's dangerously attractive to me to be able to hang it all on something. But that she, the doctor had a point. The reason I regard 
that it is. What a sentence. Dangerously attractive to be able to blame something or pin it on something. Why would that be dangerous to me? Well, because on some level I've grown up thinking I'm basically deep down a twat and it's all my fault. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. the, even the idea of being given, of being thrown in a rope, you know, thrown a lifeline of some sort, you go, oh God, but I don't deserve that. It's just me. Don't worry, I'll just drown. No, no, no. It's right that I drown. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just, I totally, I think that's like a lot of the conversations about more people being diagnosed. I sort of like, but there seems to be this immediate thing where people go, well, it would be bad if more people were diagnosed. What if some people were told that they like, well, certainly around autism, you know, or what people told they're autistic were when when they weren't and they believe they're autistic. It's like, well, this isn't not a huge what what necessarily is the impact of of that mm-hmm. of people people sort of thinking they're a thing because the I, alternative is a lot of people thinking they're neurotypical when they're not. Do you think some of the thing that happens with community is? I think a lot of like how different communities sort of define themselves and talk within those sort of particularly in online spaces is against how they're talked about on the outside so like i agree i think the superpower thing is very problematic but i think it has come in, i can see the appeal of it because when you've had people saying this is a thing that's wrong with you totally it's pushing totally. back at pushing back at that and i think a lot of like it's like people talk about like um uh you know pride you know the optimum mm. like place to be is where we're neither proud or ashamed of of our sexualities or whatever. A hundred percent. But the, the communities exist to sort of push back at that, and um, I think that's you are sort of you is, are you are quite uh, right. And I thank you for picking me up on that because you're right. I mean, I'm I am a deeply privileged person who has not had who like I've not I was never you know I I was never kind of bullied because of my ADHD or made fun of I guess unless thinking about it now. No, I don't think so. I mean, yes, there are maybe <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, they the 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 worst thing I can say is they probably didn't know either. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> So so I am coming from the position of great privilege whereby I haven't needed to reframe it or reappropriate language or reframe it as a superpower. Do you know what I mean? I'm like I said, it's mild or it's well managed, and so I get a lot of shit done. Um the the probably the worst element about it for me for the worst elements are simply that it's frustrating for my wife, it's frustrating for my relationships. Um, and we'll get on to that maybe in the terms of wider kind of community of friends kind of thing. But but like kind of maritally, it's difficult. You've got two kids. It's hard. It's just a constant. It's every day is a thousand tasks a day. And and um, we it's easy to tread on each other's toes. And she'll she'll totally justifiably go, have you done the so and so? And I'll react by going, yeah, of course I have. Uh, but she's right to like as if I'm affronted that she's checked on me. But she's completely right to check because the last two times I forgot. Do you know what I mean? And, and we're talking about kids. Like I haven't I haven't forgotten anything dangerous, and I've I don't think I've forgotten. I don't think I've ever missed like a pickup from school or something. I'm gonna think. I don't think I have. But you know, I I am naturally naturally late, and I'm naturally time blind i guess that's the adhd parlance time blind i i think i can fit a lot more into the two minutes like i said (laughs) with this recording i said i've got a hard out at 325 yes my son will be standing in the school playground five minutes later and i know it's a two and a half minute run to the school gates from my house (laughs) so i can get there i'm already wearing my shoes managing it well do you know what i mean (laughs) but i like so that we have a thing whereby my wife will she recognized bless her one of the one a, a, a friction generator a a frictional point in our in our relationship is that she'd say let's leave the house she loves to be early she's total opposite she it winds her up she gets 
she gets um, uh, not anxious, but frustrated if she's not 15 minutes early for everything. That's her, her position on stuff is you be early. That's what on time means is early. Um, and uh, and so the solution now is that she will go, I'm leaving the house now. And she'll walk out the door and leave the front door open. And so because she's done that, rather than begin a 10 minute task thinking it'll only take me two minutes, I'll go, oh, fuck, we're leaving. And I'll put my shoes on and leave the house and close the door. So that, again, it's well managed. Those those sorts of things. So I, I think the difficulties I've had are kind of relationship wise with my partner. Mm-hmm. And also, I and, and, you know, these are kind of unchartable, really. But like I said, if, if I have, I, I very likely have PTSD. I've never been diagnosed by a doctor, but I was in a very serious car accident when I was a kid, made a huge impression on me. And I have spent much of my life constantly imagining the worst in any situation in a way that mm-hmm. I realized I was doing a few years ago my mother-in-law kind of called me out on it she noticed my expression and was like what are you doing I said well yeah I was just crossing the road and um so I was just briefly imagining getting hit by a car and she was like what I said well you know you know when you cross the road and you just sort of you just sort of visualize getting hit by something and she went no mm. no people people don't do that <laughs> and I kind of went uh, oh scales fall from the eyes I always constantly I tried, I tried in 2011 I tried to write a show of which that was an element. I didn't know it was PTSD at the time. Um, oh, you thought it was, it was observational comedy, is that? Yes, it? yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I would say that you know when you... And then it was, just, it was a hard show. It was a show about anxiety called Another Lovely Crisis. But part of the core of it, part of why it was a difficult show that was not that successful as a show was that I was assuming a certain amount of, you know, that a story about kind of bursting into tears in millets because I couldn't decide whether or not I needed to buy a mallet. And I just didn't, didn't like a camping thing. I was like, well, if I, you don't want to have one and not need one or need one, and not have one. I don't know what's but you know, kind of option paralysis and freaking out and running out of the shop. And I didn't realize just how outside of most people's day to day experience that is. Mm. And I, there are other things that I, you know, like I, I've talked about this. I have a very amusing reel about this. I, I didn't want to put it in a show. So I taped it once for Instagram and put it out there. But I used to have a routine about peak experiences but i didn't know they were called that then so i used to literally say to audiences you know when you're in your car and you suddenly feel so fundamentally connected to the universe that you weep for joy as you're driving along and everyone was like what and five five percent of the room would be going testify <laughs> <Just> being, <laughs> like, and I had this, and it was a story about how whilst I was having one of those, a pigeon briefly flew exactly alongside me at like 50 miles an hour. If pigeons are capable of that, maybe it was less. Um, but a, in, all, in all honesty, a pigeon flew alongside me and I made eye contact with it. And alone in the car, I said out loud, do you have a message for me? Now, I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can say that now because I can frame it as, isn't that a ludicrous thing? Isn't it ludicrous that I thought anyone would ever relate to that? But at the time, in that must have been 2000, uh, I don't know when, 15, say, at the time, I was sort of framing it as, you know, one of those one of those things. So I think that's one of the, one of the ways I'm back to talk about work. I can't stop it. But um, one of the ways in which my style as a comic has grown up around a I can't remember the words. Uh, B, I get very bored easily as soon as a bit works to my level of happiness with it i'm bored of it and i want to try something else and i you know get in trouble i imagine at gigs because i'm wedging in new stuff when the gig really you should be doing your best that's an ongoing question for everyone but particularly me i get very very bored of my stuff very easily despite it being brilliant (laughs) and uh and and so i'm i'm a big improviser and a big people pleaser and a lot of these things seem rooted to me 
in like unknown the whole time in my experience like one thing i do now for previews is i do them i do them on keynote on my laptop i have my laptop in my eye line with a clicker in my hand and i and now an uh, uh, an edinburgh preview is 30 bullet point keynotes just with six words five words on them bang 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 it's totally changed the kind of comic that i am because no part of my brain is going fuck 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 what's next mm-hmm. so what the fuck am i talking about yeah so <laughs> to, go, to go back to go back it's it's i'm managing it well to go back two steps the hardest things are relationship difficulty of being all adhd at her i think that's it's hard and combinedness with i don't know what the word is like the effect it may have had on pt on my ptsd or the effect it has with that i I worry that it has supercharged anxiety Mm -hmm. and untetheredness and who the fuck am i what am i doing here oh christ what's going on like i've got i've been thrown numerous lifelines and i've learned things about myself and then they've just turned into mist and i'm like back to just being this naked wriggling thing Go on, turn, turn that into a question. Draw that together. <laughs> I should warn you, there are moments where you'll say stuff and Joe and I will not say anything because we're just trying to like absorb it. when it, it goes out, there'll be yes. no awkward silence. Yeah, no, 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 don't get rid of the silence. That's the best bit in the silence. <laughs> I uh, guess the, the, the thing is like, I, it's interesting you talk about managing but it's also about setting up and I'd sort of like for me I would sort of reframe things I see as managing as like reshaping an environment in a way that works for me and that most people the sort of environment set up for them straight away good to go so so like and I think I, I can't speak for other people but some of that managing is also just finding working I mean that's why people I think it's a big reason why a lot of ADHD people do comedy is because it is an environment that that works works better, um, mm. and a lot of people don't have to go through that process of working out what works for them and, and fitting fitting the environment to them because they already fit the environment and that's very uh, that can yes. cause anxiety and all those sorts of things. It's so hard um, to sort of pull apart all those different aspects yeah. of like what is neurodivergence, what's the trauma of growing up neurodivergent in the totally. world that accept us what's totally. um what's just me what's what's you know um what have i what am i doing better in because i got lucky with, i always feel just incredibly lucky with comedy because yeah. i go out i used to hate when i was at university having to go to pubs and stuff like that i found it really really stressful um but now i go out on a friday saturday night and have a social life with my own separate quiet room and then i go yeah. in and talk to and we've all got a shared interest <laughs> and all those sorts of things that you know would be yeah. uh um, you know, quite a demanding access requirement to phone up every pub you want to go to and say, could you have a separate quiet room for Joe? I get that anyway, because I'm a comedian. Oh, fuck, that is lucky. That's good. That's good. And that's a nice, that's a lovely viewpoint to have on it, really, and, and see those those things. It's almost like the, yes, the, the, um, the uh, I don't even know the language. I was going to say the condition. Is that wrong? The, um, the, the, the neurodivergence itself is not the superhero. It's not the superpower. Maybe it's the job is the superpower. I mean, that feels like an incredibly, like a sort of, you know, superhero origin. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that has a real elegance to it. And I will say, just because you've developed coping skills for your ADHD before you were diagnosed for, with ADHD, doesn't negate the fact that you would have ADHD. Like, I feel like 
it's come up a couple of times where you were like, well, they said this and that, but see, I do this and this in order to negate the, like being late, you and your partner have figured out a way to make sure that you're on time for stuff. Mm. It doesn't mean that like, that's still not a thing that your brain has to. Yes. Well, I think she's, she's probably (laughs) to put words in her mouth. She's probably secretly worried that um that i'm gonna go hey i don't have to do coping strategies anymore <laughs> you know what i mean let's uh like i can't i can't think of the analogy it's like um let's uh uh let's not teach stew to cope with the world let's teach the world to cope with stew right and then i can just play this guilt guilt plated you know, uh, get out of jail free card. Well, of course, I don't have to because you see the condition. You know, so uh, <laughs> that you know. Um, yeah, you're, yes, you're you're right. You're right. I still don't. Also, I don't think that's ever going to happen because you have a deep desire to do things and be around things, and there isn't no point in your mind that I believe Stu Goldsmith will ever go, I don't have to do this. Stu Goldsmith will go, I can figure this out. Yeah, probably, but there there is a bit of me that wants to just jettison it all jettison your life or well no not my life god no that but just all of the stuff about comedy that is i'm you know like this is i I, you you tell me whether any of this is might be connected but um i i i got into comedy for the adventures and i've had a lot of the adventures and Mm -hmm. i don't want to be out of the house having more adventures i want to be at home with my children and i what i love about comedy now is that it's the million dollar one shot you know, you're, my, my role model work-wise is I'm the sniper and they pay me a million dollars. That'd be annoying for me to convert. But, uh, but for some reason, it's a million dollars to take to do one second's work, to do just the right second. And then I get the fuck back to my kids and I hang out with them. I mean, that's like, like I, what am I trying to say? You mean um, you don't like driving to Nottingham on a Friday night? Yeah. Well, I have become less fond of driving to Nottingham on a Friday night. And I also, I also suppose I've, I feel that... Um, Oh, hang on. Just give me, just give me a second and go back on this. What my? Um, I insist you leave this in. Um, I this is the this is the real stuff, man. The endless fucking yeah, superpower is it? What the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I, I was making a link between um, the idea of like is that was the thought? Is this ADHD related? It's the fact that with work at the moment, I feel a bit like I'm sort of changing. I'm in a transformative period regarding comedy. I'm, I've, I've I've drunk very deeply from the well of stand-up comedy between mm-hmm. my like ten or eleven hours of stand-up comedy that I've done and four hundred plus interviews with other comics and all the rest of it. I've drunk very very deeply, and that was what we we're talking about. Want just wanting a break. Sometimes I think if I just unplug. I remember speaking to um. A clown, a street clown friend of mine many, many years ago, a wonderful and, and flawed and fascinating figure. And I said, what have you been doing this summer? And he said, well, I didn't really do any shows. I've just been doing some pointing. I was like, what's that? And he said, I was thinking he's like following like streets. I mean, yeah, with bricks, just pointing. Just re- he's just been, he'd been, 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 he'd been a bricky all summer. And I was like, fucking hell, that sounds amazing. Do you know what I mean? That sounds amazing. Stillness, just you and some bricks. I've got a mate who's training to be a plasterer. He's a brilliant circus performer, but he's just training to be a plasterer, just to kind of future-proof himself. He's got kids, you know, and he's just learning. And every time he sends me this update of this wall he's plastered and replastered as part of the course, I'm like, oh, maybe I could be a plasterer. Do you know what I mean? Because, because 
Like, that's part of what I'm looking for, is with the meds, do you think, Doctor, that I'd be able to have a bath? <laughs> I, <laughs> I sit in the bath and sit there and go, I'm in the bath. What do people do in baths? Oh, yeah, nothing. I can't do that. And I do feel driven, and I do feel like, yes, it's sort of, if you know me, it's kind of a joke about me that I'm Billy Fringe Guide and run from one thing to another. But it is fucking exhausting. And I don't know how much I want to do it and how much I am compelled to do it. So the idea of, like, this is the thing. So to bring it back to the idea of community and friends and friendships, I want to sit and have a pint with someone. I want to sit, you know, comedy, constant novelty, the the tombola, the tumble dryer of all of those other friends who you know but don't really know. Oh, God, look at this guy. I love that performer. She's brilliant. I wish wish I saw more of her or them or, you know. And and what 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 we get is constant novelty, but what it costs us is sit down and calmly spend time with an individual. And I think I'm getting better at that. My wife observed it. She said, "You need to sit down and just when you go to Edinburgh, I'm going to Edinburgh this year. They'll my family will be with me for the second two weeks. The first two weeks, I'm there on my own doing the work, and <laughs> I'm pretty much doing the work. <laughs> and um, and I would love in that time to just just see people walking around and go you." I don't know you as well as I want to. I like you. And I feel if we ended up doing a a week away on tour together, we'd just turn into really great friends. Let's make an effort to have not a pint, but a nice cup of tea. Let's have Mm -hmm. a nice cup of tea and listen to each other. Do you know what I mean? Let's just do that. Ah, I love that. And I always crave it. And I never fucking do it. And I say to my friend Vince, dear friend of mine, he's been going to Edinburgh longer than I have. He's he's in his 60s. He's one of my best mates. And, uh, And I... I say to Vin, he's like, you, you're coming up, we're doing it this year. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Do you know this year I'm really going to, I'm just going to sit and have some pints with you and the guys. And I'm just going to, I'm going to take it easy this year. And he just burst out laughing. He says, you say that every time. <laughs> well, I, uh, to. I, I, I have an answer to this. I don't know, Joe, if you have a thought on this, if you want to go first or. No, no, go for it. Okay. I can, I can go off. Um, okay. So I think. It could be related to ADHD. It could also just be what is called growing up. Um, I, I resonate with that a lot, Stu. Like the running around and doing everything, like say Australia for one example. Uh, I would have done anything to go to Australia at one point in my career. And now I would only go back under a very specific circumstance. And, um, I think one thing for me that has made me want to like slow down and not like chase the dragon of comedy is the fact that lockdown happened and we all got to sit around and realize that sitting around ain't too bad. (laughs) So coming out of lockdown, I had two there. I have two rules for gigs. Now don't show up mad. Don't show up sad. So if there's a gig that just the idea of getting there is so stressful that I will show up upset because I have to take like eight buses and the train costs a million dollars, I won't do it. If there is a gig that is enjoyable, but I know afterwards I will have to beg the promoter to pay me for nine months, Mm -hmm. I won't do it. Mm -hmm. I rather not go and do comedy and sit home and watch battle bots with my boyfriend, then go out and cause myself stress. And also going back to like ADHD, that dopamine chase that you get when you're doing comedy of that, like hit of like, 
laughter and all of that. You've experienced it thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times that that hit isn't what it used to be. Mm -hmm. Those travels, those adventures aren't adventures. Like, like my family, God bless my family. They're like, you just get to go and do everything. You're just, you're always on the road. Wow. And I'm just like, yeah, I got it. Oh God, tomorrow I got to go to Malta. And then it, when I'm in Malta, once I'm in Malta, I was going to do three gigs there. And then I have to go here. And it sounds amazing. And I don't give a shit anymore because I've just done it so much that the new novelty is being home. For sure. Yes. The other thing I would say is that um, the pandemic for me was not a quiet time. There was no reflection. I was busier in the pandemic than I've ever been. What I had in the pandemic was routine for the first time in my life. Yeah. And I used it to get more done. In the, just the way I was talking about it, like, oh, if I get on the Elvance or whatever it's called, then maybe I can fit more shit in because I'll be more functional. The, for me, the pandemic was phenomenally busy. And, and I feel like something I'd almost I don't know if I would do anything differently because loads of exciting stuff happened as a result of the various projects I did during the pandemic but um it really for me I kind of learned loads about myself and grew and revitalized all sorts of things what I didn't do what I sort of slightly miss out on I could kind of tell that everyone else was making not everyone else some other people were making banana bread having a rest taking a deep breath doing some pointing you know my next door neighbor has got like his house is immaculate now because he's done everything that you could possibly do to it because he was furloughed whereas i was hitting the ground running assuming it was going to last four years because that's what someone told me spanish fluid lasted so every action i took was on the basis that this is going to take four years i need to completely radically i've got two kids to feed i've got to i need to radically change everything and i worked every minute of every hour during the pandemic and nearly drove myself into a I didn't have a breakdown, but I had that. I had that kind of, oh, oh, this must be the pre-breakdown state. Do you know what I mean? Like I, re- I really went nuts for it. So that and that really is part and parcel of the same the same compulsion. Yes, there was a sort of a, a financial element to it. Ish, we were okay. We weren't, you know, like the, I, we all know comics who had multiple children and then had to suddenly day one. I'm driving a van. Brilliant. I could have done that. I could have gone. Everything stopped. You stop you know, get furloughed or whatever, the, whatever they could, you know, the size grants, whatever they were, and just stop and drive a van or go and do a thing. I didn't, I was like, I'm at home. There was an impetus to make money. There's a necessity to make money. And that let's discover the internet. Bang. And I was just busy and anxious the entire time. Mm-hmm. So, so that compulsion was reflected in, in that pandemic time as well. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a breather and I never have. So. And now you want one. Yes, now I want one. But the thing is, now I'm I've got six major projects on the go and they're all they're all self-generated. I could pull out of any of them, but the boss won't let me. And I'm the boss. And they're all they're good ideas that fascinate me. And I feel like an exciting, dynamic force. So I'm fucking laying into all of them. I've paused one of them until next what, September, maybe October. Um, and I'm I'm sort of. <laughs> frantically busy but with everything that that means like i'm frantically busy and I, any one of these projects would blossom if i just stopped all the others and paid attention to one so whether or not i don't know how adhd that is but it's like the tabs i've got chrome tabs open do you know what mm-hmm. I mean i've got six big tabs open and i cannot imagine closing one of them or pausing it really because i just have to do that and do that and do that and do that and then today someone god love them someone cancelled a meeting 
and I spent two hours in the kitchen writing out my Edinburgh show on a huge piece of paper, writing out not the show, but the, the line of argument, mm -hmm. which is sort of colossal and far reaching. It's a climate crisis. It's a climate anxiety show. And, um, and, but it's also a climate crisis show. It's got lots of research that's gone into it. And, um, and just kind of put it out. And I just went, you know, all I need to do is just cancel everything for the rest of the week and just do this. Mm -hmm. But there's no way I could cancel everything for the rest of the week because it's, you know, it's a thing after thing after thing after thing. And that is success, isn't it? That's, <laughs> that's what happens when you build a tiny empire. Great. You get to go on our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, this, I don't resent this at all because <laughs> this is, I don't resent any bit of it. Any bit of it. I go, oh, this is good. But I, I don't, I won't have any time after this to sit and go, oh, that was nice. It's great to see Joe. I never, I, you know, Joe's not done ComCom. God, I'd love to have you, Joe. It'd be great to have you. And, and Abigail Lyons, nice to see we never get to hang out. It's, it's mm -hmm. the, it's the, the, the way that comedy orbits work. What a lovely thing to spend time with friends. I'll let myself think that for 20 seconds as I upload the file to you and then bang, I'm out the door and next to get the kid. And then I go into, do you mean everything is nested mm. inside everything else? Mm -hmm. I've seen my son, he's doing circus club. He's doing their first show, but beforehand I'll have 40 minutes. I'm going to run to Metro Bank, give them my ID to resolve this thing. And then I'm going to leg it over and put the phone I dropped into the phone guys that I found that can fix the weird archaic version of a phone that I've got. And then I'll run back in time for the thing and then I'll go and I can get 45 minutes of writing in done before I do the new material gig. But, and it like, it's not a hard life. I'm not digging holes. But there's no let up. And I never just, unless I've really made an effort to, slowly walk around the block and go, ah, mm. oh, you know, I just feel like every minute is accounted for. Yeah, I, that, I do that. Uh, but I think I fail a lot harder than you do at it. And then I beat myself up for three hours instead of having a relaxing time. I'm then mad that I haven't gotten done everything on all the to-do lists. I don't yeah, know. I, I have that as well. Every day I finish, I nick this off someone. I love it. Every day I finish and I finish and I say, like, I've given myself an office job. <laughs> I've given myself an office. The office is my cellar. But I haven't. I mean, that's a, also a contemporary state of comedy. Everyone has to be a producer, editor, emailer, you know, all the rest of that stuff. But I, I say this, I finish. And every time I finish, I say out loud, I really recommend this. I say out loud, the work isn't done, but it's time to stop. And that's really good for your mental health, because otherwise you can... Do you mean? Otherwise, you, I, I completely relate to that. I'd be like, I, you know, that sense of it's not done. I'm a piece of shit. I haven't done enough. Do you know what I mean? But there are people, it turns out, with regular jobs who have, who can clock off and who, whilst they're clocked on, whilst they're at work, some of their time is decided for them. The work is infinite, but in a useful way. They just have to do as much of the work as they can get done. And then the time runs out and they go, that's me clock off and there are organizations with you know structures within their organization that have oversight and that look out for them and that say are you okay do you need to talk to someone are you do you know what I mean there's this whole structure out there of most people's working life maybe not most people you know globally but certainly most people in this country who are in a certain type of role there will be people looking out for them and suggesting help and, hey, maybe you'd like to do this free training thing as part of the business that we're in. You know, people who bothered getting real jobs and going, I can cope with the idea of doing the same thing every day, get loads of help. And I think we have to remember as comics and as artists of all stripes that that there isn't really a structure for us to help us or to notice when we're pointing in the wrong direction or doing destructive habits i don't know how i got into this but yeah well that's i think that's the thing with self-employment isn't it is that you when you first i went full-time a couple of years ago like and then i was like well i've got to take everything because this is this is my living now 
And uh, and it's very hard to get out of that mindset of going, well, I have to do everything because next month there might be nothing. Even yes. when, and you can just overload yourself because that's the mindset you give yourself when you're self-employed. Yeah, totally, totally. I suffer from that. I'm probably a few more years advanced into that. So I've been through waves of having mm. to go, yes, I can now not take work. I've almost gone too far the other end. I'm like, oh, it's brilliant if I don't have any paid work because I can get on with these projects, many of which will one day lead to well-paid work if they come off. And I believe in mm. them, but I'm not earning anything this week or this month or whatever. And you sort of go, can the, can the hypothetical payoff from the project working pay for this month not having earned anything or not, nothing substantial you know and you sort of go right yes you know and you think oh fuck fuck i've got to put some gigs in put some gigs in you go no 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 because then i'll spend all my time doing the gigs and recovering from the gigs and having the pleasant dopamine benefit of having done the gig which then lets you off doing anything the next morning because you did the gig and i'm trying to think no 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 that's it's just busy work the gigs are often just busy work now look through it and make the next project happen mm. yeah I think that's good. Uh, the, the email from promoters is never, do you want to do this gig? It's always, are you free to do this gig? <laughs> I think no one ever says yeah. that. Would you like to, would it benefit you, not just in the moment, but also yeah. long term, to know that this is in the diary and that you're obligated to do it mm. and to receive the benefits? Is that, what's the, what's the cost benefit analysis for you? Yeah. Interesting. I got a brilliant, mm. I got a brilliant um, reply. I asked someone to do an online show I was doing at the time. And I, again, I won't say them because, I, you know, this isn't for, I, I just won't say the name, just keep them uh, private. But they, it was lovely that I said, would you like to, you know, that thing you did, I said, could I use it for this purpose on this clip, say? And they gave me a brilliant reply again, which I now try and utilise. They said, well, uh, I wasn't sure. So I did this experiment that in my head I often do. I thought, what would my answer be if everyone involved was an android and no one had any feelings? And I think under those circumstances, I would say no. So no. <laughs> and I went, that's incredible. <laughs> like, wow. You know, we got that once. Uh, and it, it, I, I've never respected someone more. I emailed them, asked them to do this podcast. They were like, I'm busy. So I emailed them a couple months later and asked them again. And they just went, I'm going to be honest. I don't want to do it. And I was like, that's an option. Yes. It's that's so great, an isn't, option. It? isn't it? So I love when people do that. I love it. I've had some, you know, in, in 11 years of podcasting, I've had some incredible uh, declines and yeah. uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I think it's polite if someone's declined not to say who they were, but Oh my God, I've had some, I've had, I've had some heroes say, thanks so much. I absolutely am not interested in doing that, yeah. you know I mean? which is great. <laughs> it's an answer. And it reminds you, oh, that's an option. Yeah. And people respect it. The, the few times someone said to me, and, I, and I, I come to this as someone who I feel like I'm a huge deficit of favours, right? I constant, I've been asking people for years, would you like to be on this thing? It will benefit both of us, but me more, let's be honest, you know. Um, so... Um, I feel like I'm in a deficit and I, I try I try and say yes to everything. I, I email everyone back, every piece of podcast, fan mail, anything, any correspondence gets a personal reply. And um, and that's completely exhausting. But oh can be. Um, but the few times when I've said to someone, Oh, do you know what? I have to kind of recuse myself from this because I think your podcast sounds quite similar to mine, so I'm gonna say no. Mm -hmm. And um and people have almost always come back immediately and gone, oh, thanks so much for considering it. Brilliant to hear back from you. And you're like, oh, not only does no work, but they respect it. Yeah. <laughs> I just you, you've got to think to yourself, would I like to do this right now? 
If yeah. someone emails you, well, would I like to do it tomorrow? Because right now you're up and running. Would I like to put this in for tomorrow morning? And there's a, a blog post someone wrote called Fuck Yeah or No. And it's, that's the rule. That's the rule. Does it make you go fuck yeah? No. If not, then no. But the person that wrote that is successful, whereas we're all kind of trying to get on. So maybe I don't want to miss the break. Yeah, I was going to say, don't use that in your proper jobs if you're yeah. working as a surgeon. Yeah. Like <laughs> like, no, I don't fancy that. Yeah, stuff. I don't want yeah. I just, because I'm conscious you have your heart out, I just want to go back to, because you keep bringing it up and we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about it, uh, about community and friendship, how you want to spend more time there. Yeah, I guess... Um... I just wonder in that kind of rippling way where I'm like, oh, maybe I'm like this because of it. Maybe the maybe the diagnosis, maybe ADHD is at some core level of responsibility for that behavior or that habit or that behavior or that assumption. All of those things. And you never I never know if it will be, but it's a, a lens through which to look at some of it. Um, I just wonder whether like I feel like I forget. I, like I, there's, there are big chunks of my life I don't remember. Mm. And. What an awful thing. I think of bloody, I can't remember her name, Catherine Tate. I don't remember that. Donna, Donna in, in Doctor Who. Any ideas? Surely. One yes, I, our, our yeah. listeners will know. Definitely. <laughs> Donna, again. Yeah. Donna from Doctor Who. Catherine Tate, this, this tragic figure who was like, her character arc is, she's a boring kind of basic Barrett home type, but all respect to boring and basic people. Um, she's a she's a boring person who has no self-belief and no kind of yearning to be any more than she is. And she falls in with the Doctor and goes on to save the universe, I imagine, in hundreds of different ways. But then her, her the resolution of her character is that in order to save the world yet again, either she decides or he decides um, that she basically there is some reason which means she has to lose her memory. And she has to go back to her humdrum life, not knowing that she grew and changed as a person and learned about herself and believed in herself. She has to let go of all of that. And it's this incredibly tragic... I mean, it's brilliant, brilliant writing. Apart from the fact I can't remember it well enough to do it justice. But that, to me, what a tragic thing. And I think I, it is a tragedy to me that I don't remember more of my life. I'm not wandering around like I'm in memento, you know. But I, people will remind me of things... You know, you know, when we did so-and-so and I'll go, oh, that sounds like the sort of thing I'd have done. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Were you? Uh, I don't know. And I just feel terrible about that. And I wish I could fix that. If I could take meds for that. Oh, from now on, you'll remember everything. God, that'd be amazing. I'm so in awe of people who remember their lives well. So it's not simply opting out of memory related things like, you know, it's not just about kind of dates or the names of politicians. I, I want to be politically engaged. I cannot remember. I know who the fucking Home Secretary is right now, but it's very hard for me to remember the last few or the last. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's hard. And I know life is hard and I never did general studies. And but I, I'm aware and I'm intelligent. I just the stuff just doesn't stick. It doesn't fucking stick. And and also events in my life. So dates and people and places and events in my life and everything. And I feel untethered. And I think it was the use of the word untethered in a chat with my therapist at the time that that we then got. Or I mentioned it after that chat. And then the, an ADHD person said to me, hey, listen, that is fucking textbook. I don't feel like I'm connected to the sort of narrative arc of my life. Anything like as much as I want to be. I've no idea how much anyone else is maybe under the alleged ADHD principle that I seem to have in the background. Maybe everyone's like that. But... I worry with friendships that it takes the like not only am I socially um, I'm socially kind of 
reticent all the time. You know, I've got lots of, like I said, surface confidence. Hi, how are you doing? Bang, bang, outgoing, gregarious. But often I won't speak because I don't remember someone's name and I've known them. Christ, at a party years ago, I said, hi, I'm Stu. And this lady, Polly, a friend of mine, said, Stu, we've met literally nine times. You know, that happens to me a fair bit and Mm -hmm. it hurts and I'm ashamed and I feel like I'm such a prick. The worst thing you can do to someone is not remember them. You know, we'd met, we'd had conversations and it just, I just didn't, if faces or something, you know, there's a lot of examples, I won't go into detail, but that happens to me again and again and again and again. And and now I've, it's it affected my behaviour. I, I don't, I'm not as outgoing as I would like to be because I'm terribly worried. I'll see someone, oh fuck, I'm not sure of your name. Or I think I'm 90% sure I know your name, but I'll be so mortified if I use the wrong name or I couldn't dream of asking you. And I know that I saw on Facebook, your dad has died or was it that your dad got married or did you get married or, or has something, I've got the vibe that something not great happened. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Great. And then the conversation doesn't go any further because I'm so, so ashamed and so worried of revealing this sort of shameful lack of memory of people. And it, 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 I, I hate it. I hate it. And I, I did see someone in a, I read a blog with someone about ADHD and memory or a YouTube video or something where they said, oh, they, because people don't know what ADHD is or how it works or the many various ways in which it can work. Instead of saying I've got ADHD, they say to people, oh, hi, I have a memory impairment. You know, if they meet someone, just so you know, I have a memory impairment. So it'll be like, I would love it if the next time we met, you came up and said your name to me. And, you know, that I, that would really help me. And I I sort of toy with that. It's a bit like you know, pathologizing, you know, you can't open with it, you know, but I, but I would love that every so often someone will come up to me. I live in Bristol. There's loads and loads of newer acts here. The the pro ones tend to turn pro and move to London as they should, I think. But there are lots and lots of, of open mics in Bristol here. I'm gradually learning their names, but I'm still on the back fucking foot the whole time. And it pains me and it shames me. And every so often someone will come up and go, Stu, I'm Charlie. We gig together at so-and-so. And I'll be like, fucking thank you (laughs) do you know what i mean because i want to be friendly um but i don't remember you at all Mm -hmm. with all due respect to charlie who's a real person who i do now remember (laughs) or or kevin i I think i may have lived with charlie uh in edinburgh last year (laughs) which charlie Charlie bauer are we talking about yes yes but i don't but i don't know that it was i don't know that it was him that did it i do not give him recently very funny (laughs) but i'm i'm inserting charlie because i know that he's he's a, i do know him um but it may not have been him that said that thing and i said thank you so uh, yeah but yeah that's i find that so hard and i find it it's it is and and i forget to call people and i think you know men are just shit at at, at valuing and nurturing friendships i think that is broadly true of men my age and older you know, we, oh God, this is great. I've got a regular D&D game I play with a bunch of my crumbly old street performing friends in their 40s and 50s. And it's a glorious thing for all of us. We don't get our shit together and we don't get round to it. And outside of it, we don't call each other. I don't fucking call anyone. And it's because I'm just driven. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. And then one day I'll die and look at all the stuff I'll have missed. 
That's well, do it other stuff. Put a down ending, isn't it? Put a down ending. Bleak ending. To bring us up. We, we got nine uh, minutes to bring it back up. Yes. I, can I just <laughs> say one <laughs> thing on the not calling people? Sorry, just, and I realise I've spoken so, so much and barely let you get away. That, that, no, well, that's, that's the point of it. That's why we got you on to interview you, yeah. I, it's weird because this is the first time that I'm like, I, I think I know what's going on here. Uh another symptom of ADHD is uh, object permanence or the lack thereof. So if you can't see it, it doesn't exist. That's why ADHD people often have what, what uh, the internet will call doom piles, which is just piles of shit all around them. Because if you put it in a drawer, you cannot see it and it is no longer there. Fun fact, that yeah. extends to people. So unless someone is in front of your face, Yes. You will forget to call them. It's like I have the exact same thing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my thought, and it is not my usual thing to give advice on this podcast, but in your Rolodex of things to do for the week or things to do for the day, mm-hmm. if one of your goals is to connect with friends, put on it, call Jimmy, call so and so, make coffee. Like instead of instead of thinking of it as a job or task, or do think of it as a job or task because you seem to be in that fucking mm-hmm. real house. Think of it as something that you're going to do in your week. Yes, I do. I thank you. It's a great suggestion. I do do that. I do. I've got you know the shelf thing on my Android phone has got like a list of people on it who i'm friends with <laughs> so if i'm at a loose end I but go, you don't have I'll to call at, them all at once at, no no i know but i'll just i'll look at the list oh those are my friends and then i'll be like oh, i've got to i've got to listen to that podcast before i do it. do you know what i mean I, I it is subsumed beneath other things I, I i i hear what you're saying and i do slightly do that and i'm i think uh it is yes thank you i should i should do that. and also just real quick you do have ADHD, and that one superpower that we do have is you can fucking fake it. We are very good at it. So it's okay if things are late. It's okay if you don't get the email out on time. It's okay if you only listen to 15 minutes of the person's stand-up. You've interviewed everyone in the world. Mm. It's okay. You know how to do an interview at this point. You yes. don't need yeah, to listen yeah, yeah. to 26 hours of anyone. I think that to myself you constantly. Can- someone... someone- Someone fake said it. to me. Someone said fake to me last it. That's year. That's your superpower. You don't, fucking someone, fake it. Someone said, "Thank you, thank you." Someone said to me last year, "You don't have to be an expert in them. You're an expert at interviewing." And I'm like, I, de- mm. I get that. But then every time I start feeling like that, I will have, you know, done loads of someone's work, and then I'll just have a really interesting pod where I say, "Well, what about this?" And they go, "Yeah, I've never done that." And I go, "Well, you did. You said it on this occasion and that occasion." They go, "Yeah, good point." And then it leads somewhere good. So I constantly <laughs> prove to myself that you know all of these fucking things benefit me. No, not all. No, not all of them. <laughs> Some of the things benefit me. So it's really hard to divest the ones that benefit me from the ones that don't but i i, I hear what you're saying you're quite right and i, my, I thank you but my that. point is is if you want to slow down and talk to friends you will find a new benefit you can't keep it all at 100 percent. no one can keep it all at 100 percent. so if you want to bring something else up something else might go down but it doesn't mean that there's lacking in your life it just means that it's weighed over in a different direction that you have never let it exist in before it so must that means be- that 
it must be infuriating to you that I'm smiling politely and you can see that this is washing over me. And I don't I believe know, you. <laughs> I am saying this for the listeners and I am trying to learn this myself. Yes. Thank okay? you. Oh, good point. Okay. Oh, I can accept it if it's advice pointed to the listener that you're saying to my yeah, face. I listen, can I can tell by everything I've said, you're not going to do a fucking word of it. Well, I but, do do, you know. Um, when I, you're I, in a crumpled heap crying because you've overworked yourself remember that you could just go at 60 percent on some of it yes. and it will still be very very good well, because you've been you. at 110 for years yeah, thank you i appreciate that that is your opinion it is harder for me to <laughs> for me to say for me it's harder for me to pat myself on the back and say hey you've been at 110 percent for years it's more like I've been, yeah, you know, I, I get where you, I get where you're coming from, and we all deserve compassion, and we all deserve self-compassion. Those things are very good, and it is nice to pat oneself on the back from time to time right. and stop and look out the window and listen to Emerald Rush by John Hopkins with a coffee whilst looking at a lovely view and think, ah. Oh. Well done, me. That's good. I yes. did a tough mudder at the weekend, and I tell you what, if you in our remaining three minutes, um, have you done a tough mudder? Well, we you know still, we, we still need to. Oh, no, we're going to a tough new division moment. And that street. being said, yeah. yes, it's good to give yourself oh. compassion, but Gosh. as you're not going to give yourself any compassion, <laughs> you're not allowed to talk about self-compassion unless you bloody well act on it. Um, <laughs> I, I, what I is just your neurodivergent moment? Well, I'm going to I'm going to weave it back round. But my neurodivergent moment is. Um, it's to do with exercise and it, it is, in, you know, I talked about, um, uh, uh, you can do, if I'm, if I'm traveling, then, um, then I can, uh, I can pay, I can receive information. I can take in mm -hmm. stuff far more easily and, and look forward to it rather than thinking, Christ, I've got to watch that so-and-so and then procrastinating it and not doing it and getting anxious. The big secret for running, I've been, I've started, I've become a runner, me who's done hours of material how much i hate people running um the big secret is to go slower and talk to someone don't listen to a podcast because the secret is boredom i realize that whenever i've tried to go running in the past i get bored and i and, the, and my boredom in within four minutes will turn into god i hate this can i stop can i stop now and that is a terrible mantra, <laughs> you know, but it turns out if you run gently at a gentle pace such that you can converse with someone who you want to have a chat with, I can go quadruple the distance, the time. I can just do it. I did this tough mother thing at the weekend and the simple, it's like loads of, you know, 5k run with a 10 fun obstacles, which are all like freezing cold and stab you with electricity and what have you. It's great, genuinely great fun. And it's about being distracted. I did a 10K last year and the reason I could cope with it was because it was through the centre of Bristol and there's so much to look at. And they were so just giggling away. Everyone was quiet. Everyone was quiet. I was like, why aren't we all chatting? And I just wanted to run around and go, who's up for a chat? I want to talk because then it occupies my brain and then I don't have the relentless, I hate this and I want to stop. And for years that stopped me exercising. Push-ups are not, they are strenuous, that's the point, but they're boring. They're boring. So that's what was stopping me. That's what stopped me. I mean, it works more with running than kind of hit, hit workouts. But what was stopping me was that it was boring. And if there is, and I thought, oh, I'll listen to a podcast. That'll be fine. It's the wrong kind of, you're still listening. It's passive. If you can be active and actively having a chat with someone, suddenly I found I could start running. And I now am more, I'm 45 and I'm more fit than I have been since circus school when I was 18. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I, it's, it's 
it's changed my life. It's changed my life. And the key way it's changed my life is that I spend far fewer hours of the day now thinking, Christ, why do you never do any exercise, you bastard? <laughs> I don't think that anymore. That's the best bit about regular exercises. You don't you don't have to go, fuck God, I hate myself, I'm so shit. You know, so that's a really good thing. And I, I have made it ADHD related because in all honesty, if you keep your brain busy in a busy, active way, rather than just by passively listening to a podcast or a, you know, unless it's one of our podcasts, then... <laughs> um, then uh, that radical, radical paradigm shift. That's it's the better, mate. Next time we I have you it. on, we'll do it whilst we're doing a tough mudder. That will be yeah. how we're recording. Yeah, man. Oh, we should. <laughs> we should. Christ, I wonder if uh, I wonder if Rob Deering and Paul Tonkinson have ever done that. <laughs> running commentary. Um, That'd be great. Uh, very quickly, what, what, what do you work on at the moment that people can check out? Oh, uh, so you can find out all about the six main projects at stuartgoldsmith.com. They are the Comedians Comedian Podcast. I talk to businesses about resilience from the perspective of comedians. I, uh, I've got a new show at the Edinburgh Festival called Spoilers, which is about climate anxiety. And if you have an organisation with a Department of Sustainability, get in touch with me because I tailor the comedy climate stuff to help reflect and enhance and recharge your Director of Sustainability's climate messaging. Beautiful. Since you're not going to take any of my advice, I run as well. And I'm going to right after this podcast while listening or while listening to someone else's podcast and not chatting to anyone and being very fucking bored. So fuck you. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. For thank you so on. much. Thanks. I really, really enjoyed that. It's so much. So nice to talk about something that isn't fucking comedy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was Stu Goldsmith. He was fantastic. He's fantastic. I will say, like, we got off that record because we're we're recording this uh, a couple days later. This section, and you're of like, it. was I mean? Was that I bad? was mean, <laughs> and then I walked down the stairs, and Tom was like, "How'd that go?" And I was like, huh, "I feel like I was just giving the guy pearls, and he just didn't want to take them." <laughs> uh, but um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. It was a very interesting conversation, yeah. yeah. We, should, we used to start a new sort of therapy, a shouting therapy, where, <laughs> where just, uh, you tell people what they need to hear. Shout at them. And, and at the same time, oh, this is the thing too. I was telling my uh, partner how I was telling Stu, it's like, sometimes you just have to accept that you can't get everything done in a day. And you have to like be okay with that. And remember, like you can only do as much as you can. And Tom is literally just like nodding at me with his eyebrows freaking pulled up to his hairline <laughs> because this is the advice and pep talk he has to give me on a weekly basis mm. so as frustrated as i was that Stu wasn't like absorbing what i was trying to tell him it's stuff that tom tells me and i have yet just to hold up a mirror yeah this is you <laughs> pretty much pretty much i was yelling at myself guys i was yelling at myself <laughs> um hey we should do some neurodivergent moments yes we should do you have a, a real life one from your own life? Yeah, okay. So I'm not 100% sure if this is a neurodivergent moment, but it feels neurodivergency. Mm. Uh, so uh, I think I talked about this at a past neurodivergent moment of I bought myself a piano. Yes. I bought myself a piano to learn piano. Not for comedy. Not for comedy. Uh, I just want a freaking hobby. And, uh, of course, I played it for all of a week, and it's very hard, and then didn't play it for three months. So I've picked it up again, <laughs> and I'm playing it. I happen to meet a comedian uh, named Bennett Cavanaugh. Do you know Bennett Cavanaugh? I recognize uh, the name. Yeah, I met him at a gig, plays piano, asked him if he teaches. Hmm. And uh, he said, yes, he does. Ah. 
And I was like, wonderful, would you teach me? And the thing is, is he lives in South London. I live in North London. This can never work out. It's easy, <laughs> easier to go to Manchester. And I was like, you could come to my house. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, and and we're trying to figure it out because I know if he doesn't come to my house to teach me, I'm not going to stick with it because mm. there's no freaking way I'm going to do that commute just to learn freaking you need piano. I need someone knocking at the door. And uh, he asked, and he's like, "No, I'll do it. I'll do it. I could come to your house. I could come to your house and teach you." And and I go, "How much do you charge?" Um, to do a one-hour lesson. And he told me how much he charged, and I go, I'll double it if you come to my house. And he goes, <laughs> okay. He didn't ask for more money. He <laughs> he was going to do it for the rate he does it at. And, and I literally was like, I will pay you more to make sure that this happens because it's not going to happen if I have to get on a train. Wow. When do they start? Uh, next Wednesday. Can we do some on the podcast? Uh, uh, okay, I guess so. He asked <laughs> me. He asked me to prepare a piece so he understands what level I'm at. Right. And I told him I've been learning Edelweiss and I can play the first page, but very clunk- clunkily and not in time. I don't know so, Edelweiss. Edelweiss, a that's not the tune <laughs> at all. There's a there's a jump there. I can't hit the notes. It's a it, you know it. It's okay. from uh, uh, Sound of Music. Right. Oh, I'm not Every good on musicals. I don't know. Every morning you greet me. A different one. Oh, okay. It's the one at the end. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't that. matter. It's only one of the most iconic songs of all time. <laughs> uh, do you have a neurodivergent moment? I do. As uh, a long story short, we got told off by a farmer. Uh, <laughs> we- Who's so, we? Let's back uh, me off. Me and my ADHD wife, as we've talked about before, the ADHD autistic combination I think is a good combination for a relationship. So I think they're complementary neurotypes. But occasionally uh, you'll be in Wales and the ADHD person will want to go in a sheep field and the autistic person will know that is against the rules. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think, I'm sort of at a point where like, I've resigned to my life of crime that she's brought me into. So I was like, I don't know if we're allowed in the field. And she was up with the gates open. And I was like, I don't know whether this is rules. I don't think you're meant to go in the the sheep field. The gates open, we can go in. And we were going and look at the lambs. And then the farmer said, you're not allowed in the sheep field. You need to get out. And uh, she said, oh, sorry, I didn't know. And I was like, well, I've I've been telling you this is against the rules, actually. So you did know because I've been telling you. And uh, she was like, oh, there's no sign. Just because there's no sign doesn't mean that's not not part of the rules. Um, And we got told off and I... It's been worrying me ever since. <laughs> I feel like Danica and I need to hang out more because yeah. we could go in the sheep field together while you exactly. just stay by the car. Me and and touch. <laughs> we want them to go in the sheep field, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. That is a thing that Tom, Tom will ask me something and I'll be like... Oh, yeah, like like a simple thing. Like, oh, it'll take like a half hour to get there or something. He's like, how do you know that? I'm like, I'm just pretty sure it will. And he's <laughs> like, I love this world you live in. It's like, of course we can go into the sheep field. How do you know we can't? Well, why can't we? Like, yeah. It's just like this. Listen, I need to be more like that. I'm a very <laughs> nervous and anxious person. I should just go into sheep fields 
I mean, there's a middle ground where you, I don't know where you're going to cheat films. I mean, maybe, yeah, I mean, I don't think you're completely wrong at drawing the line at trespassing there, Joe. Like, yeah, you know? it was, the gate was open, we saw other people in the sheep field. It's a complicated area, I don't know where, what would happen if it went to trial, but... Um, <laughs> It was lambing season as well. I don't know whether that makes a difference. We didn't. We didn't oh, get too close they, to the lambs. Yeah, we, we, we gave the lambs a respectful distance. Sheep, but, um, sheep get aggressive. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my moment. Oh, love it. Uh, do we have some listener moments? <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, I'll go first. Yes. Uh, since you just went, uh, this one uh, was sent to us uh, via Twitter. Um, our socials are on Twitter and Instagram at NDM underscore podcast. If you ever want to send us a neurodivergent moment, you can send it there. And uh, I'm pretty much the one who reads it. So you will be talking to me in case you want to know who's on the other side responding. Anyway, that's not the neurodivergent moment. Deacon John sent this in. Uh, Joe, you will know Deacon John as he we came do. to our Edinburgh show. I've got Deacon's painting in yeah. a little frame. I found a, a frame that big. And it's on my desk. See, we talked about this before. So sweet because I was like, I should get a frame for the painting he gave me. Because you got, I don't want to be rude, but a, a better painting, a bigger painting. It is a postcard that could be sent, but wow. I just have it. Uh, it's a tiny little painting. Oh, Next but year. yours is gorgeous. You're not going to Edinburgh this year. Yeah, I'm expecting no. something rude. If Deacon's in Edinburgh, then uh, yeah, De- I'm hoping something like Yeah, there. Deacon John, you better, uh, I mean, he wants a fucking portraits yes. yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like we, we get to like a stately home and there's all those pictures of the previous lords i want that of me please please uh bring joe a portrait of him being a dog playing poker if yes. i can just <laughs> but here here's uh deacon john's uh neurodivergent moment I had a session booked to deal specifically with time management. Oh, we know where this is going. <laughs> and made sure that I was ready and back home in plenty of time. I rushed back from town and trawled my emails to find the Zoom link. I could not find it anywhere. I did a search for the company in my emails with time ticking away and only minutes left. I eventually found the email confirming my next appointment. It is for tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I checked my calendar again thinking I must have put the date in wrong. Nope. It is there tomorrow at the time in the email. Then my brain crunched gears and I could not start anything new because in my head, this was the hour that had been given (laughs) over to that appointment and only that appointment. (laughs) Some days, all three of my neurodivergencies just seemed to gang up on me. You have to laugh sometimes. Feel free to share my name if you use it. Ah, oh, that is wonderful. That's great. It's I time love management it. time. I can't do anything else. Yeah, no, <laughs> I've had that as well. This is the time. In fact, I had a gig that was in my diary mm. that then got pulled out of my diary. And uh, that night, I was like, had the option to go do something else, and I was like, absolutely not. This is gig time, yeah, so I yeah. must just sit in a chair <laughs> <laughs> for the two hours I would have been at the stage. gig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is your neurodivergent moment? I have one from Ash. They say, I once lost my trousers. I still don't know how. I don't think I was wearing them at the time. They just kind of stopped being in my life and my house. And from one day to the next, I have no rational explanation for it. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> 
just lost their trousers. Just, That's an incredible thing to uh, to lose. How you have more than one pair of trousers though, right? Have you been walking around without trousers on I, this whole time, yeah, they must just have been being like, off. I don't wait know. a minute? I really, I I enjoy this more if you imagine it's like a sort of art house film. So imagine black and white, and then like just a, a shot of like a lighthouse or something like that, and there's some eerie music, and then I once lost my trousers. <laughs> I still don't know how. I don't think I was wearing them at the time. They just kind of stopped being in my life and my house from one day to the next. That's a beautiful moment. That's a beautiful moment. <laughs> That's great. Oh my gosh. Uh, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We have a page. Thank you. We have a Patreon if you uh, want to listen. We've got a book club coming out sometime in June for the Patreon. Uh, our book is. Do you have the physical book? I have the physical book with me. You're holding up to the camera Thriving. on our audio podcast. <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll use it as a clip. I won't. Yeah, yeah. I'll fucking forget. <laughs> Thriving with adult ADHD. Skills to strengthen executive function. So if you want to uh, buy that and read it as well, or um, I don't know if there's an audio book for that one, actually. I don't, it's got some workbook stuff in it as well, which would make me think it maybe didn't have an audio yeah yeah after doing the podcast with howard reed i literally was like oh we should be more inclusive and make sure every book Mm. in the book club has an audio book the next one (laughs) the next one sorry guys learning lessons uh thanks for listening thank you see you next week bye